Good morning and welcome to Atheist Talk on KTNF AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We appreciate you all for tuning into the show. Today is Sunday, April 22nd, 2018. I'm Scott Lohman. Here today is Hertzie Hertz and Grant Haas. Today we are going to talk about the organization Focus on the Family. Be sure to stay tuned to the American Atheist Viewpoint in the fourth segment of the hour. We welcome listener interaction during our live show with your phone calls to 952-946-6205 or your emails to radio at mnatheist.org. The views of the interviewers and the guests are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of Minnesota Atheists. Focus on the family is a big deal in the religious world. Grant Haas worked there, and today he's going to tell us about his experiences and leaving the organization. You can find the links and program archives on the Minnesota Atheists website. Hertzi and Grant, welcome to Atheist Talk. Thank you, Scott. Good morning, Grant. Good morning. All right, so let's start actually a little bit before you joined um, with Focus on the Family and such. Um, I was doing some Googling on you. Um, I stalked you just a little. Um, And according to your blog, you grew up in Worthington, Minnesota, which looks like it's down by the Iowa border, um, and accepted Christ at about eight years old. Um, So were you raised in like a very evangelical household? Yeah, I would say from the time before I could even read or write, I was totally surrounded by religious imagery and um, just immersed in this culture where every time you got an opportunity to go to church, you go to church, Wednesday night, Sunday night, all the time. That's a lot of church. (laughs) It was a lot, and it was really ingrained in who I was, Um, and later that would have a conflict with me. Yeah, um, and so there's. I've heard from many atheists like they had doubts growing up and such. Was that the case with you, or not necessarily? Not necessarily. Um, I always thought that there was going to be a bigger plan. Um, that whatever I faced or struggled with, that God would be able to use it. To it, it was always there was a reason for everything that happened. Um, yeah, I, I was one of those. I didn't have a whole lot of doubt either until much later. <laughs> so I hear about the people. It's like, oh, yeah, when I was six years old, I was asking questions. I was like, no. Yeah, no. it wasn't until like my late 20s when I started reading like Christopher Hitchens, Richard Dawkins, and really began to think critically um, about what I was doing. Absolutely. And then um, according to your blog, it was about 12 that you started to realize that you were gay, correct? Yeah. All right. And after high school, you went, you did some community college, um, and then you decided to go and become a pastor. What drove that decision? Um, mainly probably my youth pastor and my family. Um, I wanted to, like, be a teacher initially, and they're like, well, why don't you just become a pastor because um, that would make more sense. Because this way you could, you know, serve the Lord. And then inside of me, I'm thinking, well, maybe if I become a pastor, that'll cure me of my homosexuality. Like, that was always the hope. So, did did they kind of look down on teaching then? Um, I don't think they did. Just They just thought it would be a better fit because I was so active in the church. Um, I thought I was... I was kind of a loner in high school, and I found like that was a place where I could get power and acceptance was in the church. 
Uh, and so you attended Focus on the Family Institute starting at about 19, moving to Colorado Springs. And before we go into the Focus on the Family, as a Minnesotan, I have to ask, and you're fellow Minnesotan, so you understand this, how's the weather? <laughs> it's a lot calmer, but you can get, you can use your heater and your air conditioner all on the same day. It's, <laughs> That's insane. It, it can be, you know, snowing in the morning and then 74 degrees in the afternoon and... It, the weather, mountain weather, it's nice, though. All right, so focus on the Family Institute. You went there for classes, so was it kind of like a college-ish kind of thing? So, yeah, um, I went to Moody Bible Institute for a while, and it focus on the Family Institute was like a place that you could go for a semester, um, oh. and it was accredited through Colorado Christian University, I believe, so you yeah. still got college credits for it, and initially I was able to use those towards my degree. Um, but it was definitely a very interesting experience, like working there and, you know, growing up in a Christian home and being surrounded by church, the church my whole life. This was like a big opportunity for me, I felt. Okay, so, so the Moody Bible Institute and Focus on the Family was kind of at the same time. Yeah, so like it was Moody, focused on the family, and then I went back to Moody, you know, okay. to continue. Okay, so some of these might have, some of these next questions might kind of have to do with Moody and more. Um, so, <laughs> is, is Moody, was Moody in Chicago? Um, I did online for oh, okay. the first year, and then, you know, I didn't pay attention in high school, so it was a chance to get my grades up. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Since you're paying a little more attention finally at this point, yes, I know how that goes. I was going to say, don't, don't, I, when my college did, I did not pay much attention. <laughs> I bombed. Um, so, what, so what did the classes focus on, both at Moody and Focus, I guess? Um, just a lot of indoctrination. You know, there wasn't really writing or math. It was, you know, was there New science? Testament, Old Testament. There was not science, actually. Not surprised. Was, I didn't know how. I don't know how that they got around that, but they did. Um, you'd have to, I don't know if you know what a clap test is. You'd have to, like, clap out of math. It's like a test you take um, for college credit. It's like a oh, two-hour yeah. test. And if, as long as you know the basic math skills, you can get three math credits, like a 100-level math. Okay. Um, and so, and you did say that it was accredited. So when when you were finished, you were going to be fully accredited, and the credits would transfer, and all that fun stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and more of a curiosity, what was the worst class? Oh, probably there's this one where this couple taught like marriage, and like all they did was just yak about their own marriage and their marital marital struggles, and like. I guess it was okay, like it prepared you to counsel people, but for me, uh, it was kind of boring. <laughs> um, Follow-up question, what was the best class, um, if there was one? <laughs> Sounds like it was a very blasé place. It really was. Uh, yeah, I don't think there was a best class there. <laughs> Probably just hanging out with... The students, the other, some of the students. <laughs> All right. And specifically when you worked with Focus on the Family, you worked in their radio station, right? Um, yeah. I was doing some production. I was working with the production team, and I was able to produce some clips. All right. And then you had, 
uh, I'm looking at a note that you put in that you, you produced silly things to scare people into protecting their kids. Like, what kind of stuff were you protecting them like, from? You know, reality TV, American Idol. This was like the second season when I did this. You know, don't don't watch American Idol, Survivor. You know, what can it do to your child's brain? How does it influence? Um, and it was just everything, like you were talking, like Dungeons and Dragons. Of course, like that, we would produce something about it, and it would air, and parents would listen to it, and they'd be scared. Then, um, oh, I, I, or Harry Potter. I can't let my kids read Harry Potter. Or else they're but gonna what burn was, in hell. What was the best argument against Harry Potter? Just uh, witchcraft. <laughs> it's just say the word witchcraft. People freak out. Oh. I'm- <laughs> um, I know it's so sad. Um, can you tell us, like, a, a, like maybe a funny story that happened before we go into some of the the heavier stuff? Or was it like a, just a super business place? Like there was no fun. There really wasn't that much fun. It's oh. just it was like if you were laughing, people like when people would walk by that worked there, there'd always just be the scowl on their face. And two, that could have been like the organization was kind of going under. Mm. Like a lot of their donors were literally dying. Um, <laughs> and, it, yeah. you know, that's where their money was coming from. Coming from the old scared people. Was it kind of yeah. during the transition when, when Dobson was, was sort of being forced yeah. out? He was, he was on his way out at this point. Okay. Did, and they were looking for a new Do you know head. why he was forced out out of morbid curiosity? Just... Um, he was aging. I mean, he was mm. an old guy. I okay. Mean. Aging, and there were some things about succession politics, as far as I'm aware of, on that, in which case he wanted his son to be taken over, and there was the dubiousness of James Dobson's son, a focus on the family, having being a divorcee. And there was issues with that uh, on that part. So, yeah, it was. it's kind of interesting when you start digging into that. Is it, it makes other people's politics like, you guys are really silly about this. I know. I'm like looking going, I am a divorcee. What the heck is wrong with this? Well, in the religious world, especially when you have focus on the family and they talk about marriage like all the time, mm-hmm. um, the fact that you decided to punt on yours makes you inferior. That had to be interesting. There was a lot of wealth there. I mean, there was just an enormous amount of luxury, especially if you were an executive there, if you were the president. Um, You kind of had like a personal spending account almost, you know? (laughs) So like like the president had like his own office with like really nice furniture and stuff? Yeah, like James Dobson. Like the executives had their own like section of the build. This is a huge campus. I don't know if you've ever Googled it. It's Admittedly, just, I have not. <laughs> I'm like trying to think of what I can even compare it kind to. Kind of like a college campus, maybe? Like a college campus. Or like a business exactly. campus where you have like several buildings. It or- was several bu- buildings. Um, wow. I mean, I think they must have, they had thousands of people working there. But if you're an executive, there was like a, everybody had a badge and your badge could only get you in certain sections. But if you're an executive, you got into a lounge pretty much. Nice. Yeah. I was going to say, hey, Eric, do you think we can get a lounge? (laughs) Overlooking Pikes Peak. Yeah. We'll work on it. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, cool. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening. This is Atheist Talk on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more discussion.
Welcome back to Atheist Talk on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm Scott Lohman. If you have a comment or a question, please call us at 952-946-6205 or send an email to radio org. Today we're talking about Focus on the Family with Grant Haas and Hertzy Hertz. Welcome back to Atheist Talk. Thank you, Scott. All right. So when we left off, we were kind of talking about, you know, we were poking some fun questions about this, but it does actually get serious from mm-hmm. here. Because um, during the, your schooling and during working with Focus on the Family, you were still struggling with your feeling with being gay in this evangelical setting. Yeah. Um, and at some point, obviously, they found out. Can you share the story of what happens there? Yeah. So, um, you know, I was still believing in God and I'm like, you know, I, I want to fix this. Can I fix this? So I went and talked to... Um, one of the faculty members there and told them what was going on, like how it was feeling. And so at the time there was this guy named Mike Haley. He headed up like this um, department that dealt with homosexual issues and homosexuality in the media. And he met with me and he said, well, let's put you into counseling. So now I'm doing conversion therapy counseling and um, then, they, then of course, they're like, well, you should tell your parents. And it just began to snowball now. Um, so I told my parents that obviously didn't go well. Um, I was only 19. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it just, it, it was really hard. Um, and they're telling me, oh, I can change, I can change. So that summer I went to this conference, um, which was just a bunch of gay people trying to be straight down in Orlando, Florida. And, um, it was called Love One Out and it's love like one W O N, which you pointed out earlier (laughs) out. And it's this program and it was like a bunch of books, about how you can, you know, kind of overcome homosexuality. And, you know, I was watching, I was telling you on the way here, I was watching John Oliver. He does a whole segment about, you know, how focus on the family a couple weeks ago when he was talking about Mike Pence, a whole section about um, homosexuality. Uh, <laughs> focus on the family just still offering these types of materials even today, you know, oh, your loved one is gay. Uh, here's what you can do, and here's support for you. Like, it's it's a big burden for you. And I think that's where, you know, they make money off that, too. It's because they're driving that fear that, you know, this person's different than me, so I'm going to um, really... Just kind of put them in the spotlight. Yeah, basically, kind of push them into a certain box. I guess might be a way to put it too. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and then so the conference itself, like, was there? Was it like? Um, have you been to like some of the atheist conferences and stuff like that? Or not really? No. Okay. <laughs> um, so did they have like panels and things and speaker? Um, I'm guessing they had speakers. Yeah, it was just a lot of speakers, a lot of people who, oh, I'm not gay anymore. I'm not gay anymore. 
um, like there was this uh, it really it intertwined into this Exodus International Ministries, which I believe is closed down now. Yes, it is. Um, and a lot of like the the guy at Focus on the Family who was in charge of this gay. Um, department, gay department. I don't know what to call it, really. I was going to say, that sounds um, fair. That sounds fair. <laughs> he was caught in a gay bar. Um, I'm not sure if the next guy was ever caught, but a lot of these guys, they're getting caught. I mean, a lot of the people in the homosexual community know that these people are persecuting them. So when they see him at a gay bar, hey, that's the, the guy. Yeah. Yeah, John Polk, who was part of that, was... Um, Featured on the cover of Newsweek magazine with his his new wife, and then um, uh, he was caught in a gay bar by um, uh, a gay activist and got pictures of knowing, and that was what uh, did his downfall. He is now finally divorced and come back out as gay. On that, his wife is is of course active in the the, the dead enders, as we want to call them, uh, of the uh, anti gay movement. Um, and so she's still quite quite active in that, even though Exodus is shut down, and the fact that California just voted to ban conversion therapy statewide. Yeah, so. Minnesota needs to get their button gear on that because we still have Bachman. Ugh. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. There's there, there's Marcus Bachman around with his counseling stuff that's not regulated because they're they fall into an area it's not, and they they do say that they can try and degag you. And and for them saying that they're focused on the family, they're actually tearing families apart with this conversion therapy because they're looking to blame someone for why you turn. And it's usually the father. So, oh, your dad didn't spend enough time with you. He didn't play sports with you enough. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. And that's actually tearing, you know, the family apart. Like what parents don't want to get divorced now? Oh, you made the son gay. Yeah. So, it's it's really sad, and and then I think there's also, <laughs> yeah I was gonna say I did some looking and it's like also having like a, a dominating mom also would turn you gay I guess I don't yep know. that that was the opposite like oh you bonded too much with your mother so now you're more effeminate which being gay doesn't necessarily mean you're effeminate no it sounds um, like they really have they really want those very strict gender mm-hmm. roles they do. Oh, yeah, they're very much – it's the general thing that just freaks them out, especially when it comes to women's right on that. When you look at how they uh, approach that, it's it's their – it's uh, especially now dealing with, with the trans issues. It's it's gender definition – gender role definition is what they're all about. Men, men have to behave a certain way and women have to behave a different way. They do realize that all of that is society constructs, right? No, they don't grasp that at all, Hersey. No. They, they think it's actual reality. If you start listening to them, you're going to say, you know, they're saying men are always this way and women are always this way. It's like, and that's why the roles have to be this way. This is why you can't have women in charge of churches. They can't be teaching because it's bad. They don't have the right equipment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what nearest as I can come down I'm to sorry. it beyond it, you know, being the old gender roles. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I, the right equipment. I was like, no, I've got a microphone and headset. I yeah. can still do podcasting. <laughs> See, yeah. See, that's the whole thing is we, we don't come into those definitions the same way they do. And True. they're just yeah. absolutely freaking because the old white guys up on top part is teetering and they're just freaking. Yeah. 
So I'm guessing that the, them coming to your family and telling your dad and such it was his fault, I'm guessing that did not help your family no, with stuff it, at all. It, it just it made things more tense in my relationship with my family. Um, and, you know, there was just a break in the relationship for the most part. Um, so now that you're no longer with the organization, have you been able to at least kind of reconcile with your family a little bit? <laughs> Yeah, so I'm married now, and they totally accept my husband and love him like they love me. So it's it's been a long journey. It took a lot of just time and um, them just learning to be accepting. And well, that's good. Well, I'm we'll, a person. We'll <laughs> go to break. We can talk about that more when we get back. Um, you're listening to Atheist Talk on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. There are things that are big in the religious world. James Dobson formed Focus on the Family in the 1970s. The organization was one of the biggest influence and part of the religious right. Grant Haas worked there and is talking about his experiences while working for Focus on the Family. Welcome back to Atheist Talk on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. If you have a question or a comment, please call us at 952-946-6205 or email at radio at mnatheist.org. I'm Scott Lohman. Atheist Talk is produced with funding from the Minnesota Atheists and Cucumbers Restaurant. If you would like to advertise in this program, please contact us at radio at mnatheist.org. The radio program is put together by dedicated volunteers and the generous donations of listeners. If you're able to help with a donation, please consider doing so on our radio fund page. Minnesota Atheists is a 501c3 tax-deductible organization. We want to thank Cindy and August, who are monthly sustaining donors, and Mark, who made an annual donation. And we have a new Patreon donor, Deborah. Our music is composed by member Brent Michael Davids. Check the schedule for book clubs, discussion groups, pub crawls, movie nights, and other gatherings throughout the year, as well as sign up for meetups, listen to podcasts of previous programs, subscribe to Atheist Weekly Email, and all become a member, all at mnatheist.org. And also, we want to add that uh, Steve Peterson and uh, Heather, the president of Minnesota Atheists, are going to be guests on the Mike McEntee program here on KTNF on Monday afternoon. They're going to be talking about the Day of Reason coming up. That's always done uh, in uh, in May in conjunction with – to sort of counter the, the National Day of Prayer. Yes, and, May 3rd. Yeah, so that will be May 3rd. But tomorrow that will be on Mike, Mike McEntee's show. So you can tune in and hear more about that. And then Grant and Hertzie. Welcome back to Atheist Talk. Thank you, Scott, and thank you for reminding me. I'm actually going to be speaking at the Day of Reason, so I have to actually write my speech. <laughs> Just a two minute of hi. We're here, I think. Steve, you might want to double check me on that. <laughs> um, so, Steve Peterson, he does like a ton of stuff just with the Minnesota Atheist Organization, and he's awesome for it. But let's get back to focus on the family. Um, so, you said that the, the buildings and such, it was like a big campus and the, such. Um, was it easy then to kind of get lost in the shuffle there? I would think so. <laughs> <laughs> I know you, you kind of, it sounded like you maybe interned like just for a little bit. Yeah, I only interned uh, for a few months and did a few production. Um, like on, I was saying, reality TV shows, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it, it was easy to get pretty much overlooked. And there's a lot of people, it's kind of like high school, and probably any other company, you just want to get to the top and you can say you're doing it for God. So 
was that kind of, <laughs> was that kind of like a thing where people like they're do they kept saying they're doing it for God and you're just looking at it going eh, I don't think so. Um, I think they thought that they were doing. I mean, I think they've deceived themselves to the point where there's just no point in having a discussion with some of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they're they're very much about. Um, to we were talking on about before the show like Adventures in Odyssey, which is a radio program like they produce for children, um, and it, it was a big money maker for them. Um, and it's like you don't really realize the amount of resources that they have from private donors, um, which would be interesting. I don't know. It'd be interesting to find out how much is donated has to be in the you know millions. And that's going to be challenging now because they've decided to restructure themselves as a church. Mm-hmm. I'm putting in air quotes on that. So they're changing how they're how they sort of fall as an organization where what information they have to report to the IRS about their mm-hmm. funding. So nonprofit organizations of a certain size have to file a form 990 with the with the IRS. And that basically talks about your funding, kind of some basics, what you're spending on. It doesn't get into details. You don't have to list, like, the salaries for for the leaders or any of that. But it gets an idea as to what these organizations are spending money on and where they're getting it. And when you change to a church, they don't have to file one of those. Mm. So this organization, which has this huge campus – and probably no actual church building, but a large meeting room mm-hmm. is going to classify as, as a church like the one down on the street corner, just down the street from you. And that's just nuts. Yeah. I mean, they do have church services for all employees that we'd have to attend there. And, that's you know, a, they'd always have like a big name. Yeah, it was required for the okay. students. Just like at Moody, we were required to go to chapel every day. And if you didn't, you get kicked mm-hmm. out eventually. But um, yeah, it was it was required, and they'd always have like these random big names. Like I was telling her on the way over, Sean Hannity was one of them, and oh, I met Sean Hannity and got his autograph, which is probably met a garbage can by now. I don't know where it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but these are like the the kind of influences, and you know now Sean Hannity with President Trump, you know them meeting every day or something. Yep. It's been reported. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of shows you where, you know, and when I was working there, Focus on the Family just started a, another part of their organization, which was kind of like a super PAC um, where people could donate money and it would go to political, um, the political arena and supporting different candidates. Yeah, well, the Family Research Council came out of Focus on the Family and then separated. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of, yeah. So two of the leaders, because I was looking at the Wikipedia for this, two of the leaders specifically of the Love One Out conference have actually come out and released statements um, apologizing and renouncing this. Um, And do you think that this could help maybe normalize the whole, um, stop normalizing the anti-gay conversion therapy? I think it did play a huge role for those, like Exodus to disband, um, I'm not sure if the Exodus International still exists, though. That I'm um, not sure of. I know that the national organization is gone. Mm-hmm. It, it it disbanded on that because the leader finally said, nobody is converting. Yeah, because <laughs> it doesn't work. It's it's just a, a wishful thinking for some people, but 
it eventually, in the end, it just causes more psychological harm than it does help anyone. Absolutely. Um, what was one of the most surprising things that you feel you didn't notice, like in looking back at your time at Moody Institute and fa um, the family place thing? <laughs> um, I didn't notice how narrow-minded I was. I really didn't know. It wasn't until I went to the University of Colorado after the whole New Life Church debacle that um, I really opened my eyes. Like I, I got a degree in history, and taking those history courses, I'm like, okay, I never knew this. I never knew that, you know, Mexico went to the Pueblo, Colorado border, and we just took it one day. Like, I just didn't know these things, you know. Like I said, I didn't pay attention in high school, and I don't even know if it was taught there. It might not have been. <laughs> a little bit. But Depends like, on your high school history yeah. class. Yeah. yeah. And, like, taking anthropology courses and all these different things um, really was an eye-opener um, of how narrow-minded people were. I remember we had to write a paper about whether women should teach and be preachers. And, like, I wrote, yeah, why not, in my paper, and I got a bad grade for it because that wasn't the correct answer. Like, <laughs> Remember, we had that discussion in the last segment, Hertzie. Quit looking shocked. <laughs> it, it will never not shock me. Uh, which is very good because <laughs> it is amazing, the, the sexism that still goes on in this country. And it's like 2018. It's like, really, people? We're coming up on the 100th anniversary of the amendment for women to vote. Well, my favorite argument that people have for that is, well, we gave them that. And I'm like, yeah, but whose idea was it to not let us vote before that? Mm -hmm. You can't have both. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, oh, shoot. I think I ran out of questions. <laughs> uh, so... Um, you know, your 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 time at at, at Moody because I'm always I've been intrigued by what kind of education uh, people get in those type of organizations. So, and you you mentioned that it was kind of hard to come up with a with a very good class, and there was ones that were really bad. Is 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 there just a lot of them that are just sort of there to mainly keep you in that bubble? Yep. It's like systematic theology one, systematic theology two, systematic theology three. And, you know, in every of these classes, you're being taught like the theology behind the Holy Spirit or the theology behind this or that part of Christianity. And then you're also being taught about other religions and how your religion is better. Um, and, yeah, you're really in a, in a bubble, and, like, students there would be like, get out of the moody bubble. Like, the students, most of the students could tell, but a lot of the students were homeschooled. Um, so this was their first interaction really out of, in a, like, a dorm or a, a like, a public, a classroom setting with just more than them and their parents. A bigger social setting. Yeah. So, so there was a lot of weirdness. So with the comparison. <laughs> So with the comparative religions, because you also took history and anthropology, um, is it one of those, like, what they taught with those comparative religions? Was it a lot of wrong things, or were they actually relatively on track? They were relatively on track. Like, okay, this is the difference between us and Catholics. This is the difference between us and, um, I don't know, Islam. Did they, did they say anything about Wiccan? 
or um, yeah, they're just like these. This, these are different types of occults. So, like, <laughs> First they had to, I just love that they have to group them all together in a cult. <laughs> like Jehovah Witnesses. This is you know, and this is how you disprove evolution. And these these are ways to explain evolution. Like there's this thing called fiat creationism that like God created it to look like it was millions of billions of years old. Um, so just tell that to your church congregation. Tell them that's what it is and just move on, you know. So, and and it's, it's all about making money at these, you know, you guys know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so out of morbid curiosity, what was the straw that broke the camel's back that just made you go, you know what, all of this is just not? I think after many hours of... Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins debates with Christian people on YouTube because I just heard these arguments and these arguments just blow the, the whoever they were debating away. Um, and it really makes you think. And then my brother, um, he's becoming a neurosurgeon and he has a, a bachelor's in biology. Um, and after he got that bachelor's, he started turning me on to, hey, look at this, look at that, evidence. And that really set me on the course I am on right now. It's, I guess, you know, Christians see nature as, oh, this is all God did it. Whereas if you're not Christian or religious, you see nature as, oh, wow, look at how this evolved from this. Or, you know, my dad's an eye doctor and he said, I don't see how an eye can evolve. Well, there's a whole bunch of information on how the eye can evolve. You just have to look at it critically. Isn't- I was going to say, isn't the evolution of the eye, like, the thing we're able to track the most? Yeah, yeah. we know a great deal about mm-hmm. that. So, Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, well, thank you very much for being on the program, Grant. It's Thanks. been uh, fun having you here and, and listening about your experiences in a bubble that neither Hertzie or I have any clue about. So <laughs> this is why we're going to keep asking those crazy questions about that. So I want to thank you for tuning in to Atheist Talk. This show depends on your generous support of our members, sponsors, and donors. Please join us again next Sunday. Please consider supporting the show through the donation link at mnatheist.org. The podcast for the show will be on the radio page later today. Stay tuned for American Atheist Viewpoint in the last portion. This has been Atheist Talk on AM 950, KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota.